Welcome everyone, and thanks for joining Becker's Health IT and Revenue Cycle virtual event. During this panel, we'll be discussing IT and innovation in the evolving healthcare landscape. My name is Brian Zimmerman, and I'm the custom content editor with Becker's Healthcare, and I'll be your moderator for this session. So this has been a challenging year for everyone, uh, especially those that have worked on the front lines of this crisis or, or lost loved ones due to COVID-19. Uh, these losses and difficulties should never be minimized or overlooked, but it is important to acknowledge that extraordinary difficult times uh, are often breeding grounds for innovation and lasting change for the better. And this will be the focus of our conversation today. We've got a great group of panelists here uh, to, to get things going. I'm gonna ask each of them to introduce themselves and tell you a bit about uh, their organization and roles. So uh, Dr. Pirtle, you wanna start us off there? Absolutely, my name is Claude Pirtle. I'm an internist here in uh, West Tennessee Healthcare in Jackson, Tennessee. I'm also the Chief Medical Information Officer and Director of Telehealth. Um, been here for about a, almost a year and a half now. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Pirtle. And uh, Catherine, how about you go next? Sure. Hi, I'm Catherine Lusk. I'm the Chief Health Information Management and Exchange Officer for Children's Health System of Texas in Dallas, Texas. I've been here since 2002. It's a great organization. Thank you so much for being here, Catherine. And Jeffrey, why don't you round us out here? Hi, I'm Jeff Sturman. I'm the Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Memorial Healthcare System, also now known as the South Broward Hospital District here in uh, South Florida. I've been here for two years this time. And I say that because I left for six years and I was here for 10 years before that. So I can't tell you how many years. I think that's a total of 12 years, if my math is right, and uh, have both consulting background and provider-based experience. So thank you for today. Absolutely. Thank you, all three of you, for, for being here. And let's, let's dive right in. So as mentioned beforehand, and nobody needs reminder here, but 2020 has been a transformative and extremely challenging year for healthcare. So I'm curious, how has the way you know, this year has unfolded, changed the way you think about innovation at your organization. Uh, Jeffrey, we can stay with you and uh, everyone else can, can weigh in as they see fit on this one. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, clearly um, innovation has taken a, a front and center seat in, in the pandemic. And uh, the, the years past, I think at least for a hospital system like Memorial, we've thought about innovation very hospital centric. So what we can do for patients internally in our walls and and not really leveraging the idea that we're taking care of patients as much from outside the hospital. That's obviously shifted. Um, it was shifting even before the pandemic with population health and value-based care, but we have seen just a really quick uptick in trying to figure out innovate, innovative ways to take care of patients differently from home. So clearly we've been thinking about when COVID patients are admitted, and how we can take advantage of technology in the hospital still. But, but also, obviously, the idea that we're trying to keep patients out of the hospital unless, unless they're very critically ill and really leveraging technology to do that. And I know we'll talk a lot about that today uh, relative to telehealth and other remote patient monitor, monitoring tools and things that we've all been doing across the industry. But innovation is clearly something that we're trying to test trial, showcase new technologies all the time to our providers. And frankly, our consumers are gonna demand this level of high sophistication and high innovative technology that we've been able to take advantage of in other industries so much that now really is picking up in healthcare. 
Thank you, Jeffrey. Catherine, Dr. Pirtle, anything to tack on there? I do have a little bit of something to tack on. Innovation has always been a cornerstone for children's health, but this year has been um, has been invigorating. You know, you said earlier, Brian, about how that this has been a very difficult time, but innovation sprang true. Well, we had been in tel had telehealth services in our um, elementary schools for some time, and it was growing steadily, growing. But we saw a threefold increase immediately within the within three weeks of COVID nineteen. We had employed more um, virtual health instances than we had in the previous three years, and so it's been very exciting to us to see that the general population, the consumers, and our provider community accepted telehealth and saw it as a benefit. We, we were very, very excited about that and invigorated. So our resolve was um, actually increased. We also began to look at other ways to keep our patients and our families and our providers safe. We are looking at um, a, a patch instead of an armband so that there's less human contact to keep our patients and our families and our providers and our nurses safe. We started looking at virtual scribes so our providers wouldn't have to touch the keyboard during their, during their visits with the patients and families. And so I, I, I think that um, while this was a horrible time, it allowed all of us to stretch ourselves and to look for practical ways to leverage technology that would support our, um, our clinical missions, just like Jeffrey was saying earlier. Absolutely. I don't have not to belabor the point, but I think Jeff and Kevin did an amazing job. And just to point out, I mean, it really forced us to rethink the process of providing care to our patients. Uh, as you mentioned, the virtual scribes, remote monitoring, telehealth, and things like that. Uh, and it is definitely a terrible time. And this innovative arm, I think, was kind of pushed in an accelerated path, as it was alluded to earlier, just to try to get these technologies and protect not only just the patient, but also physician, staff, et cetera, mm -hmm. uh, from COVID-19, but also you have to remember too, the labor shortages we had, PPE, conservation. I mean, the list is very long there. Uh, but the point of it is, is innovative technologies, such as with us, with remote monitoring for COVID patients, sending them harm with, home with devices so we can continue monitoring them in their home, right? That's one aspect. And also telehealth and inpatient telehealth, uh, also, just looking into different aspects of how can we predict that that patient can be discharged earlier, or even how can we predict switching from a reactive to more a proactive approach is very important. And I think you're going to see, especially since we're accelerated, hopefully we can continue on these paths and really define a better dynamic in the future for the patient care and also for the physician side too. Some, some great points there. And I think obviously telehealth has played a critical role in all of this. Uh, it, uh, so I'm curious though about telehealth expansion and I know the payer rules changed so it was easier to sort of like scale up these services and, and deliver them to more folks. I, I'm curious about what you think will be the lasting trends in telehealth after this after this pandemic, if, you know, once that far away future uh, that feels that it's far away arrives, what, what telehealth trends will last and, and what might, uh, sort of drop away. Sure. I'll, go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So definitely it struggles with the vision of telehealth in the future. You're exactly right with regulations and laws uh, and really reimbursements, really what has not driven this as much until early of this year. Uh, but it's here to stay, as you mentioned, uh, we're analyzing currently trends and, and structure around our scheduling and 
patients love it. Uh, it perfect as a physician. I mean, people just are able to pop out during their lunch break for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, do a visit in their car, whatever that, whatever the easiest modality for them, and just go back to work. So it's a win-win for not only patients but also their businesses too, because you're not that patient's not leaving the house. I mean, not leaving their point of business, going to the you know the physician's office or even ED, whatever that looks like. Uh, but to answer your question, post-COVID, what would it look like? I don't know. I say that with quotes mainly because I don't know if we'll be post-COVID anytime soon. Uh, our visit volume, with we've been analyzing this, about 12 to 15 percent. Uh, that's pure synchronous and asynchronous telemedicine visits, which you would think in the ambulatory environment. Uh, but we're redefining that to try to figure out what would that look like. Uh, some some other systems we've seen in the 25 to 30 percent range, and others have been actually less than 10 percent. And I think the biggest question for us is how do we prepare our health system in a year from now? What will that look like? I think our goal right now is to look in that 12-ish percent range, so 12% of our future ambulatory visits being in telehealth. Uh, but that could be a little high, a little low, just kind of depending on where we go. Uh, but that's what we're preparing for is 12 to 15%. Thank you, Dr. Pearl. Catherine, I know you wanted to weigh in there as well. Oh, I, I just wanted to kind of echo what Dr. Pirtle was saying. We're all anxiously watching the payer community and hoping that they will continue to reimburse. We found our patients and our families love the service. We're an academic medical center and, and pediatrics and children and their families often travel quite a distance to come and see us. And so this has been great for them. And so we really want it to continue. And, and I would add, um, you know, post-COVID, I mean, telehealth is here to stay. We all, we all know telehealth is here to stay. Now, relatively speaking, does that mean it's going to continue to be here in the volume that it is today? Probably not. Uh, the, the fact is uh, we're a very specialty-driven organization. So our specialists even have been seeing patients for a consultation and even some follow-up through telehealth means. We've seen uh, anywhere from you know 40 to 50 times the number of telehealth visits already this year compared to year mm -hmm. the year past. And so from a primary care standpoint, we're going to see telehealth be the predominant way for our primary care specialists in the future to see patients, at least here at Memorial. We're, gonna not, we're not even close to that 12 or 15 or 20 percent. We're actually projecting more than 50 percent of all of our patients in primary care continue to be seen through telehealth means. I do think that'll be vastly different in our specialists, which again is our, our primary uh, group of employed physicians here at Memorial. Uh, and we'll see a, a good number of those physicians continuing to see follow-up and consultations still through telehealth. And we're providing a couple different ways to make sure that that happens. Obviously, one with our primary EHR vendor, but we're also working with very, very specific one-click texting capabilities for telehealth. So we can make this as easy as possible for our patients, our consumers. And again, I think our consumers are gonna demand that they get into us in the easiest and the fastest and the most effective way. And so we really do think that this is gonna to continue to be a, a predominant way to deliver care. Absolutely, and just to add on, Jeff, that's a great point, is making it super easy for the consumer. And we actually had to change one of our technologies just because moving to that one-click model, as Jeffrey mentioned, uh, it's a number of steps to down, you have to download the app, you have to do this, X, Y, and Z, get an account. But we were trying to find the best and most efficient solution for us, and we actually changed uh, vendors 
a few months ago to make that easier. Essentially what he alluded to is it's, a, it's in your text message or an email, you click one link and it's done. And now it seems like we're getting great feedback about that process. Yeah, and Brian, just one final thought on telehealth, maybe I'm sure it will be weaved in throughout this conversation, but you know, we're all trying to use and trying to react, I think, to the current demands. And, and by virtue of that, we have many vendors, at least I do, have many vendors that are providing various virtual and telehealth capabilities to our consumers. I don't have one just solution. I think that'll get a little bit more standardized and consistent over time. And certainly as the technology leader here, I want to make sure that we have that level of consistency. Mm -hmm. But today, I haven't wanted to stand in the way of any provider delivering care to patients in the way that they need to, both for themselves as providers, but also for the patients. So we do have a multitude of options available. And again, I think over time, that'll be a little bit more standard. Mm -hmm. I think that's an important point that this the further standardization and becoming even more convenient. You know, the, the patients love mm -hmm. the convenience of it, but making it even more convenient seems to feel like it'll be even more solidified, uh, more entrenched in care delivery. Um, but I wanna, I wanna expand the conversation here, this, the scope of the conversation to beyond telehealth. I know, uh, Jeffrey, you even mentioned like some, the way you think about innovation from the inpatient side. Um, and, and Catherine, you mentioned some interesting stuff as well as uh, what your organization is doing. So I'm thinking beyond telehealth, how are you thinking about innovation in the years to come? And what, what technologies are you keeping your eyes on? Where do you, what do you think is gonna be most transformative for healthcare? Uh, well, Catherine, Jeffrey, you oh, can sorry. you can throw it in, Catherine, yeah. if you want to weigh in. You want to go first, Jeffrey? You yeah, can. Yeah, there, there's so many, and and so this is this is my <laughs> probably a great question because there's so many things that we could talk about for the next three and a half years, just about all these new these Absolutely. new technologies, <laughs> these new technologies that are coming down down, and and we all want to um, jump on. And so I, I mentioned and I alluded to remote patient monitoring. I think you know, given where we are today. Um, and all of our desires, both in this world of COVID, but all really taking care of patients in the most effective manner proactively so that we can keep patients and communities as healthy as possible. Remote patient monitoring tools have been around for years. It just hasn't taken root. And I think through value-based care, population health, the world that we live in today, again, um, all of these tools from pulse oximeters, which are obviously very important today, um, but also blood pressure cuffs and scales and so many other tools can be, can be saving life, saving life from um, in, in a way that our communities really require it. And so I'm really excited about some of the pilots we've done uh, in the face of COVID. I'm excited about some of the pilots and some of the further deployments we're going to do with remote patient monitoring uh, tools this year. And I think that, that falls in line with another big umbrella. Um, and, I, and I know I've mentioned it a couple of times, but the way we engage consumers, the way we make this more of a, an Amazon-like experience so that we get star ratings and reviews and information out to our consumers so that they can make the most educated and informed decisions is gonna be a game changer for our healthcare industry and certainly has been a game changer in other industries. And there's so many others that are probably a lot more technical around cloud and analytics and mobile. Um, I'll let my colleagues weigh in because um, I could probably keep up going for a, a little while on all these things. 
Well, let me um, let me add on to what you're saying there, Jeffrey, when you mentioned Amazon. You know what we've been kind of looking at, and it has great potential, is robotics to deliver um, linens, medical supplies, lunches, such as that. If you can have drones deliver things, packages to people's front porches, and you can have driverless cars, why can't you have those task-oriented things happen in your healthcare organization? To free up your staff to have more of those customer-facing interactions. You know, we've been thinking about that and voice technology. For a long time, voice technology be, has been available to um, our provider community, but not so much our allied health and nursing. So we're looking at how can we give that voice technology to our allied health nurses and physical therapists and all of those different people to help support their care delivery process. So those are very, very exciting things to us. Now, one of the things that I think is incredibly important that we should all focus on is, is getting that automatic notification to our public health departments so that they are notified of these um, issues earlier in a more systematic, standardized way. I think that the one thing that COVID-19 has taught us is that um, our public health agencies need additional support. And so I think technology is going to do that by um, normalizing the data and then allowing us to transmit it in a systematic, standardized way so our public health agencies will be able to have the information they need to track the diseases. So those, those are the things that we believe are going to be the most transformative in the next couple of years. So I think uh, my colleagues have mentioned things uh, really pointing into a more consumerism-driven approach, but also proactive versus reactive approach is really what you're trying to get to with remote monitoring and telehealth and things like that. Uh, and I really think these are drivers. I, I do want to say two things. Uh, there's a few things that I think our goal, too, is to really keep uh, senior leadership and things like that on, on in the right path, right? There's great ideas that come out every day, as Jeffrey and Catherine know very well. Will blockchain revolutionize electronic medical record tomorrow? Probably not, but it may have a role 10 years from now. But the point is, is trying to keep us on that path of what is the value for the patient. Uh, and two things just real quick, uh, embedding data. So genomic data on the point of service in, in decision support for physicians, nurse practitioners, nurse practitioners, and things like that, I think is a very powerful solution. Uh, embedding all that data, refining, if you imagine how many blood pressures I mean, some of these very large systems take a day. And we literally take it, see the patient, treat the patient, patient goes home, and that blood pressure just sits in the electronic medical record, never looked at again until the patient's seen uh, maybe a year from now or whatnot. But really redefining that, how can we use that better? And as Catherine mentioned, using AI and robotics, not as more of an augmented intelligence and also helping you know, providers, uh, different, different staff, helping them do their day-to-day -day jobs, I think, is where we're looking at next for the most, in the near future, I should say, the three- to five-year plan. You know, Brian, if I can pile on to both Catherine and, and Dr. Pearl's comments just a little bit, I, I think the idea that we all invested so much money in, in electronic health records for the better part of a decade wasn't because we wanted to make IT front and center. It was because we ultimately knew that data was important. And that, to Dr. Pirtle's point about genomics and how data is going to drive uh, clinical quality and outcomes and the delivery in which we take care of patients, from precision medicine to predictive analytics, 
I think all of those points that, that he just made are so important um, for our future. And I think that will be a, a tremendous driving force. The other comment I would make around what Catherine said, and I'm so glad you said it, um, natural language processing and the voice recognition. Mm -hmm. I know I mentioned Amazon, but the Alexa type capabilities yes. of the future are absolutely critical for not only the way we can take care of patients in the hospital from as simple as, you know, turning your light switch on and not having a nurse come in to do that to asking a nurse at the nurse's station, I need ice chips, to then going home and scheduling a follow-up appointment or having a prescription refill. All of those technologies are there today. I'm so excited that we're actually piloting this, this voice recognition capability. And, uh, and I know so many others are. I, I think it's cool stuff and uh, it's the future for where we're going. Absolutely. And, and, you, and you know what's so incredible about voice technology? In the past, you couldn't get the, um, the data out in a discrete manner, but we've advanced so much now that the data can be pulled out in a discrete manner in support of research. So it's so incredibly exciting right now that we can make it easier on our um, front side care providers, but still support research. Make some really excellent comments on this question, obviously. I, and I'm really struck by like sort of, you know, the proactive and the mm -hmm. consumerization components of this, which had sort of been like, this has been laid bare by the pandemic, right? We have to move the needle on population health now. And considering the economic constraints uh, on society as well, the, taking care of this consumerism component, having a really engaging, convenient experience for patients seems more important than ever as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the next question I wanna ask though is, you know, IT teams and technology leaders have been, you know, critical to hospital responses to COVID-19. I'm wondering how this has changed the expectation of your teams of what you can do and what you should be doing. Uh, after this pandemic. Um, anything on that? Anybody want to weigh in on, on changing expectations for your IT team? Yeah, I, I'd love to. And, you know, technology, I think, historically has been, you know, the, viewed as this behind the scenes um, necessity, but not, not necessarily a strategic asset. And I think, if anything, uh, we have seen technology and the world we're living in, uh, again, taking care of patients, really be not just a necessity for um, taking care of patients, but actually the driver in taking care of patients. And so it is strategic much more today than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, again, an essential part of our delivery care system. So we used to think about, you know, we're going to build a new hospital for delivering care. And I think IT can actually look at jumping over competitors, jumping over buildings even, by, again, leveraging some of the things that we've already talked about virtual capabilities is uh, absolutely first and foremost. You know, I kind of want to add on to what Jeffrey's saying, saying there. When I talk to um, leaders in the healthcare sector right now, what I see is such great pride in the collaboration and the agility with which we were all able to mobilize to support the, the provider community and to our patient community. And so I think that, that what we're all feeling now is that through a terrible time, we were able to pull together to deliver safe, effective clinical care delivery in a compliant manner and then bill appropriately. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? What, to, what, what had taken years and years to get there 
as a community, we were able to pull together in just a few months and partner with our payers and partner with our technology vendors and, and take care of the patients and take care of the population. That's, a, that's an incredibly good feeling. And I think across the nation, the um, business leaders, IT leaders and HIM leaders and, and all of our allied health leaders are all feeling this great pride in, in what we've been able to accomplish. And that you're, that's a great point, Kevin. I mean, this has been a great exercise in defining a problem which we had and quickly developing a solution to get out there to physicians, to patients, and, and to continue that care, right? Uh, and as you can tell, uh, many people have spoken about this, but we actually had no telehealth visits for medicine before March. Very, very, like, minuscule amount. So we ramped up extremely quickly, and being agile with the IT teams, understanding this is a horrible time, we need help, and I think everyone was able to move very quickly and get that established and get it pushed out, and hospital leaders are able to see that and see how healthcare inter you know, intercepts with technology. Going to Jeff's point, I mean, you wanted to build this massive behemoth hospital years and years ago, but now looking at technology, how can, it really can push the, push the bar a little further and also fill in some of those gaps and make bridges. Uh, but definitely amazing work has been done, especially in a few months. Well, as Captain mentioned, or Jeff, it could take years typically, but we've done a whole bunch in just a short amount of time compared to usual. Do you think we were moving more towards a wellness journey now with telehealth and remote patient monitoring? It's kind of um, expedited the wellness journey that society's sort of been on for the last couple of years. I, I think it's very exciting. Sure. I agree. I think it has. It, it's definitely pushed those limits. And really now, uh, as COVID, I don't want to use the word slowing down at all, but how can we interact with COVID still here, uh, knowing that it's not going anywhere anytime soon, most likely? Uh, what can we do to con continue pushing the bar and also continue providing that care? And we're actually looking at our telehealth technologies and, as Jeff mentioned, going standardizing into one if we can, standardizing remote patient monitoring if we can as much as possible, and also looking outside the box now and how we could use, uh, where are our gaps, what are patients not liking, you know, with surveys and different things like that to make it better, um, going into that, you know, banking, Amazon-ish approach, if you will. Catherine, you're right on. I mean, I think we are absolutely on a wellness journey. Uh, mm -hmm. We're shifting for, you know, historically, again, we were always a hospital-centric organization knowing patients were gonna to come to us, we now need to be going to them and we need to be taking care of our own employees as, as similar as mm -hmm. if they're any other consumer. So a very employee engagement, consumer engagement, wellness focus is uh, I think paramount for all of our success. And we're gonna see unfortunately, probably a lot of mergers and acquisitions over the next couple of years. And so those, mm -hmm. those that you know, I think get first or at least are taking IT and technology and innovation as a strategy uh, will be will be a step ahead. And the final thing I'll say, just you know, maybe not directly to this question, but you know, I'm so excited because IT is part of this caregiver team, right? So mm -hmm. long time IT has been again behind the scenes, and patient or physicians, providers, nurses, therapists have been that caregiver team, and I call my team caregivers all the time and they're absolutely critical and part of that caregiving team. Caregiving team. Yeah, and some, some striking comments there around how, you know, it's really everyone has come together behind that, that caregiver mentality. It's really focused everyone. 
uh, sounds like healthcare is more mission driven than ever in a lot of ways for, for all of the stakeholders involved. And I, I, I want to go to something Dr. Pertle sort of alluded to, which is, you know, making sure that the leadership is, are prioritizing innovation and technology efforts correctly. And, and I think that's an important point when we consider, you know, the economic constraints that hospitals are facing. So I'm wondering how you're thinking about like, you know, innovation prioritization amid like sort of these contracting resources and stuff is sort of economically tough right now. Uh, Catherine, I think uh, if you could start us off and then everyone else can weigh in as well. Oh, sure, I'd be glad to start us off. Well, technology is a tool that supports doing more with less in a safe manner. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic really showed that point. And it really um, allowed the provider community to understand it more and for patients to be more accepting of it. As we move it to do more with less with technology, that's the way you can get it done. That's the way you can accomplish it. So when we think of everything that we were able to accomplish in this short period of time, just think about the future. So I, I, it's hard for me to think that leaders would not want to prioritize IT investments. Absolutely, it's important to balance out those priorities and objectives in each organization. But the truth is you can never go wrong when you focus directly on the patient and patient mm -hmm. care. Uh, all those, everything will follow downwind for the most part, but uh, value-based contracts, ACO, you know, all these things come into play uh, with remote monitoring and telehealth. Uh, our capital teams have kept a close pulse on innovative technology, so we've actually tweaked it a little bit into going into more of a piloted scale model. In our minds, uh, including the CIO here, uh, it worked brilliantly, really. Uh, so really showing a small pilot with 20, 30, 40 patients, or whatever that looks like, showing it works, having the data and analytics that shows it works and it's improved, and then pushing it out slowly after that. Um, I think that's our probably the biggest, easy, well, the easiest way to get that buy-in from C-suite leadership. Because as you mentioned, it is all our we're very constrained, uh, capital budget-wise, and operating, and really making feel, people feel comfortable. And also, it's really a culture change too. As you can imagine, it's been mentioned here multiple times: telehealth, remote monitoring, uh, all these new technologies. This is still somewhat new to the hospital system. Um, Ten years ago, you know, I think banking probably had this, but the point of it is, is we're catching up very slowly. Um, point of it is, is like healthcare is changing faster than ever. I think it's quoted in the 1950s, you know, every 50 years information doubled, they thought, but now in 2020, health information is doubling almost every three or four months, if I, if I remember correctly. And we're, but it's important to be dynamic and agile when changing and also getting that buy-in culturally, not just with the technology. Yeah, and, and great, great points. And I'll just probably close it out here by saying our, our team has, um, and our leadership team, as Dr. Pirtle just said, maybe didn't see the level of innovation and how technology can really rise to the occasion. We've all seen that today. So in the last six months, everyone gets it. And so now that we all get it, and we all see where investment and commitment needs to be. Leadership has gotten behind where we are going. And so um, optimistic that the, the role of the CIO is going to be shifting even further to more strategy and operations and uh, really really a thought leader in the healthcare system. But this is absolutely um, you know, in everyone's mind. We, from everything from helping facilitate testing and, and the world of COVID that we have all lived in to thinking about contactless registration 
and the, the administrative components of healthcare to the very, very uh, clinical functions that we've already talked about. I think, uh, you know, IT is in everyone's mind as uh, a very important part of the process. Thank you all. Go, go ahead, Catherine. I, I just want to make this one point. IT has become ubiquitous to healthcare delivery now. Absolutely. And front and center, whereas before it was not necessarily uh, understood and known the backbone that IT provided, but now I believe it is. Thank you. Some, some great closing thoughts there. Uh, you've been a great panel. Uh, we've got just a couple minutes left, so I want to leave some time for each of you to share one or two key takeaways about this topic with our attendees today. Uh, Jeffrey, we can start with you. Uh, thank you, and it's been fun, and appreciate the time today uh, with my colleagues, and I think we all, uh, and probably everyone listening today, is probably in a very similar boat. Um, so, you know, again, I think um, IT is absolutely an asset uh, for the healthcare systems, and, and those that learn how to use IT um, effectively are going to be well positioned for the future. Um, I'm excited about it. I think you know the strategies that surround technology um, create these sustainable, these competitive landscapes for healthcare systems. I'm excited about obviously the whole consumer engagement uh, functions that technology can can facilitate. Um, so thank you again for the time today. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. Dr. Pertle, why don't you go next? Sure. Uh, well, as mentioned multiple times before, telehealth here to stay, uh, and kind of alluding to the point Jeff made, uh, how can we make that better for patients, more convenient, more consumer-centric? Um, but, I mean, there's still some headwinds there, uh, getting by the regulatory and also the reimbursement things. Hopefully, CMS and the governing bodies can make that a little easier and so that telehealth be more adopted, well, more likely to be more adopted, I should say, on the, by the provider side. But really, uh, if your system's really not looking into these technologies and more IT-facing technologies and things to get out to the patient, essentially that hospital in the home system, I would actually kind of challenge you uh, and also your system to start looking at that very closely because I do agree people who have a foot in that direction already may have a leg up in getting moving. Um, and also really in challenge you also to look at data and how can we can use it more effectively and more efficiently and really improve the patient and the physician relationship and also the, 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 the better relationship overall, but a healthier patient. So, and that's, uh, but thank you very much for your time and really enjoyed the panel also. Thank you, Dr. Pirtle. Catherine, why don't you take us home? Oh, I certainly will. I've had a great time too, Brian. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I want to end it off kind of building on what Dr. Pirtle said about artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence can support safer care delivery as a result of normalized data available through standards adherence and standards migration. So adoption of those standards are really important for us all as we move forward, particularly with those remote patient monitoring devices and as patients get more and more engaged in their own care, making sure that we have the right standards in place so that information can be ingested. Innovative use of healthcare IT can support a safer, more cost-effective care delivery model. So that's where we get the buy-in from the business team. They have to understand that we're going to save them money by eliminating tasks and streamlining things. Robotics. Robotics are key to supplementing the workforce so that we can allow our team members to have more opportunities for those high-touch experiences. So I, I'm really excited about the future of health IT and 
excited about standards development. I think we're going to have a, a, a great next decade. Oh, that's a great place to, to close things out here. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Dr. Pirtle. Thank you, Jeffrey. I uh, really appreciate all three of you taking your time to, to talk through these questions with me. And I also want to thank all our attendees who took the time to dial in virtually. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks again, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.